Greetings, everyone, and good morning. It's Richard Solomon. How are you? Attention rock fans, I've got something super special for you. We're going to take a little trip in the Wayback Machine, and we're going to hit the 1950s. <laughs> and considering that I, I grew up on the music of the 1950s, and my wife is a big fan of the 1950s music, uh, we have here Yo Vinny hey. <laughs> from the Bronx Wanderers. I'm holding their CD. Now, first of all, um, it's I believe it's... TheBronxWanderers.com? Yes. All right, cool, because yep. you need to check out. I mean, it's like I'm actually like in the presence of cool things here. First of all, when, when you know, music has changed too much, and, and sometimes not for the better. And when you go to iTunes and things like that, which is cool, and I use that for the radio show too. Uh, by the way, you're listening to Taking Care of Business, 88.1 FM, WCWP. You may be listening to us at a number of other venues, including iTunes and other digital formats, including but not limited to uh, tcbradio.com, tcbradio.mypodcast.com, and possibly in the future, tcbradio.podbean.com. But we're all out there. And what's great about this CD is it's called The Bronx Wanderers Family Affair. And you guys look very tough. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> you guys look very tough, like... That, that's on a back street in Hoboken, New Jersey, where we said, where are we going to find a street that looks like the Bronx because we're all from the Bronx that looks old? And uh, Danny Aiello did a video with us, and he said, I'm not leaving the restaurant that I hang out in. And he was at this restaurant in Hoboken, and that was an alleyway. And, and it just uh, it happened. It was a really funny thing. Well, to quote Bugs Bunny, <laughs> Hoboken, ooh, I'm dying. <laughs> Yeah, so for those old enough to remember that, that was funny. Okay, so I'm holding this CD, and we're going to play some tracks out of the CD because I, I, it would be a crime not to. But what's great about this is it actually looks like a vinyl CD from days of yore. It is vinyl. It is made of vinyl. We, we, uh, we worked out a deal with the plant. That I wanted it to look just like a 45 record. It is a CD, but it is vinyl. It's a vinyl CD. So, so this is this is this belongs like in t Time Life, you know, with Time Life music of the 50s. Right. All right. So, so we're sort of going on the the secret here, and everybody's like wondering what what is he talking about today? You know, they they, they, they never know. By the way, they means you. <laughs> they never know what we're going to talk about because we've had. Everybody as serious as Tim Rustard and Ed Koch on one side, and Cousin Brucey. We've covered the Long Island Music Hall of Fame Awards and on music, right. and it's like, so wait, what? What do we? So, so tell me about you, your band, and and your incredible sound. Let me. I have to. I have to say this. I was listening to the CD all week in pre-production, and they have the greatest harmonies, the cleanest sound. Uh, it just their vocalization, their arrangements are just so solid. So. It, well, it makes it really easy when it's a family thing because everybody has the same genes, so you get that blend automatically. And uh, and the whole the Bronx Wanderers thing was an accident. It was uh, so was penicillin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and that worked out okay. <laughs> and this is too. <laughs> yeah, so. So, so, so tell me about this happy accident. I, w I was a record executive in the music business for uh, 30 years, and it was just one of those things where everybody came in like 10 years ago and said, we're retiring. And it was like, now what? And I had no clue what I was going to do. And uh, Chaz Palminteri, who comes from the same neighborhood that I come from, was was just really nice guy. Called me up and said, "Why don't you come sing background for me? Uh, I'm going to put together a nightclub act." And I brought my young son, who looked—he was 11 at the time. He looked like the kid from a Bronx Tale. 
So when Chaz saw him, he said, oh, this is great. He looks like the kid from the movie. And, you know, what I could do is basically do like a scene from the movie with him. We'll put the kid on a stoop and we'll really make this fun. And it went over so well that I kind of came away going, wow, this could work. And uh, the next thing you know, I had no idea he could play drums. He was a really good drummer. And uh, we used him because Dion's drummer at the time, we were working with Dion's band, had a uh, kidney stone attack. So now we had a job. <laughs> it was one of those things we were playing in an hour. And it's like, <laughs> now what? We have no drummer. So the kid just happened to be there. And I said, Nick, just hold two sticks and just make like you're moving your hand. Don't worry, we'll get through it. And it went over so well that I thought, wow, this could really work. And my older son, who was three years older than him, was 14 at the time. We brought him on stage, and it went over so it was like this big gimmick thing with the father with the kids that it was just an accident. And the next thing you know, we just started playing around, and uh, I got one of the original Earls from the neighborhood with Larry Chance and the Earls. His name was Jimmy Fricassi. Jimmy joined the band, and it was it was just this happy accident that just happened, and it's just been phenomenal. That we well, just I, I it, it kind of reminds me almost of the Brady Bunch in the episode yeah. where Greg fit like the rock and roll yeah. guys because he was the right because he would fit in the suit. That's right. <laughs> that was exactly it. Now, now, for those people out there who are listening, uh, you may also, if you love rock and roll and you love the history of rock and roll, amongst other things in our. Uh, website archives, like, f for example, Cousin Brucey, is a great two-hour segment that we did on my father's place in Long Island. Oh, that's great. So um, it's, if you want to take a look, uh, the website for those um, interviews is not up yet, but if you go to myfathersplace.com, under the tab press, you'll see our interview with Steve Rosenfield, who was the house photographer and was the co-author of the book with Mike Epi Epstein. And uh, I have already secured Epi as a future guest. So oh, there you go. Great. So it's all right. Cool. So I want to play some tunes. So, sure. so um, let's see what we got. We're going to just do this little potpourri. But tell, tell us a little bit about what, what, what you're currently doing with the band as I cue all this stuff up. I mean, essentially, I was very, very friendly with an oldies promoter out of Westchester County. And he said to me, I tell you what, I would love love to have you and the kids come on our shows and I, I i'm from arthur avenue originally and that neighborhood is where dion is from so dion was like our patron saint of our neighborhood and if you didn't you know do dion you didn't do anything so dion was my guy and we would always do dion it was dion as a matter of fact that got me my job with Life Song Records. I was going to NYU in the late 70s, and Dion said, I called him up, I said, I want a job in the record business. He said, go see these two guys. And I came in off the street, and I go, hi, Dion sent me, and they were like, yeah, right, get out of here. <laughs> and they literally called him on the phone. Mick Jagger sent me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Mick Jagger sent me. And Keith says hello. Yeah. <laughs> It was so good. So he wound up. They called him on the phone. He goes, yeah, I sent them. And they gave me a job. And, and that's how it all started. So when we started the band, it was like, well, we got to do a Dion thing. And it just, it happened. And the oldie circuit just seemed right for us to jump into because I had these two young kids and nobody was really doing that. And it just, we became this gimmick father and son's thing on the oldie circuit. And it worked. And the kids were raised on this music. So it just happened. Well, this is music that I think everyone will know and certainly now love. So...
Okay, you can't tell me that that was just a guy with sticks <laughs> pretending. All right? I mean, come on. All right. That was a total accident. The whole Frankie Valley thing with us was a total accident. I mean, you know, the more we talk about it, this whole band's a whole accident, everything. Uh, Dion calls me up, and he said, Ringer, listen to me. He goes, I'm, I'm afraid you guys sound too much like me that people are going to think it's me. And I said, Dion, nobody's going to think we're you. You know, we're a tribute band. We're supposed to sound like you. So just as a joke, I had just left uh, a studio with the Jersey Boys. They were in production at the time. The play wasn't out yet. So as a joke, I said, you know what? Let's put together a Four Seasons medley and just send it to Dion. <laughs> and we did. So I sent him this little medley thing that we did. And some agent got a hold of it and starts mailing it out. And we would show up on jobs and they'd go, okay, for the first hour of the Four Seasons show, I go, what Four Seasons show? They go, well, you guys are Four Seasons. I go, what do you mean Four Seasons? We do six minutes. That's it. They go, six minutes? We need 60. I go, I don't have 60 minutes of Frankie Valley. And it just kind of all was like this major accident. So right away now I ran back in the studio. We put together another medley really quick. And now it gets out to Frankie Valley's agent where he hears this. And I had known him over the years. And did he say, hey, it sounds like Dion? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it sounds just like Dion. <laughs> he, was, he was so good about it that, you know, he laughed about it. He goes, yeah, that's good. He goes, you know, just make sure I get paid for, for the publishing royalties. I said, yeah, no problem. So uh, he gets a phone call. And this is like one of our best stories. He gets a phone call from some uh, sheik that they want him to play in Abu Dhabi. And they offer him $250,000 to come play for an hour. And he said, listen, I really can't do it. You know, I'll put my management people in touch with you. And they start to handle the negotiations. And they said to him, uh, you know, it's Frankie's schedule. He's booked two weeks from now. So, you know, there's no way he can. It was like a month away. He can't do it. If you move the date. So they said, look, we'll give him $500,000 for the hour. So the agent winds up calling up and he said, listen, let me ask you a question. He goes, you know, what is this all about? He goes, well, look, one of the sheiks happened to be in New York, and he saw the Jersey Boys, and he wants, you know, the Jersey Boys. So the guy that was actually booking the job had no clue who Frankie Valley was and what the Jersey Boys even meant. He goes, so what is this Jersey Boys? What is that? They I'm go, the Jersey Boys. <laughs> they go, it's a play. And he goes, it's a play about what? And he goes, Frankie Valley. He goes, well, get, and get me this guy, Frankie Valley. So when Frankie Valley's people are telling him, we can't do it, there's no way this is going to happen, they turned around and the guy says to him, let me ask you a question. He goes, do you know what he looks like? He goes, no. 
He goes, do you know what he sounds like? He goes, no. He goes, I happen to know this band that you could probably get them for like a tenth of the price. He goes, for nothing practically. He goes, why don't you give them a shot? Call them up because Frankie would love to do your date, but he happens to be booked that weekend. So we get a phone call and they said, would you guys like to fill in for Frankie Valley? And we said, wow, yeah, we're going to Vegas. This is great. This is great. We got back to New York and they said, do you have your passports? And I go, well, Vegas needs passports now? They go, no, you're not going to Vegas. You're going to Abu Dhabi. I said, Abu Dhabi, what is that? And they said, you know Dubai? And we said, yeah, right next door. And there we were. They flew us over. They met us at the airport, and it was uh, the Abu Dhabi Road Race Challenge, where racing teams from around the world get together in the desert. Get a little closer. And yeah, they, yeah, get, they get yeah. together in the desert, and they do this giant thing, you know, where they build a city for a day. And at the end of the night, Michael Jackson was giving out the prizes, and, uh, and we were the band. We came out and did, like, about 45 minutes, and that was it. And it was like, wow. And it was a great, you know, it was just a great adventure. Wow, you're rocking with Rich Solomon this morning with the Bronx Wanderers, and we're here with Yo Vinny. Yo. <laughs> and, of course, uh, is Vinny the Kid really Vinny the Kid? Vinny the Kid is really <laughs> Vinny the Kid. Yo Vinny is because my last name is Adonalfi, which is really long. So the first oldest show we did, they, they introduced me as... James Gandolfini from The Sopranos. They said, Vinny Andolfini. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, no, that's not it. So the next show, it was like, well, why don't you use my middle name, which is just John. So it was going to be Vinny John. And then the next show, they introduced me as Vinny Johnson. And, and Dion turned around and said, hey, man, wh why don't we just call you Yo Vinny? And it was like, okay, great. And that's how it happened. Let me, let me play some Four Seasons here. Speaking of Four Seasons medleys. <laughs>
I, I, I got to talk because you know, I, I, I can just play it now. now. There's so much sound in there. Right. You can't just tell me that there's just four guys. Oh my God! You know, there's there's so much sound. There's horns. There's and this track and track. I mean, when when we go out live, we go out as a five piece, fourteen piece band. <laughs> we, we basically I put this band together as a producer first, where I said, you know, the, the way I want to do it is when people go to shows. They want to hear the record. They, if it's not the record, they get miserable. So let's keep it as close to the record as possible. And we devised the thing to to go out with uh, a track situation. You know, Dion calls them enhancements, but you know, basically we'll put a lot of horn parts down. We'll put extra harmonies down so that instead of it being just five voices on stage, it's like nine voices on stage. And it is all us, but it's just we're singing along with ourselves, and it just makes the sound huge. And it's you know, people at the end of the night, you know, the, the five musicians will tell. Me they hate it because it's not real, and you know the thousand fans will go, "Wow, you guys are great!" And it, it just it works. Well, I'm part of the thousand fans <laughs> that say you're great because I'm listening to this in the car, and I'm like, "Wait, there's four guys, there's four guys, and there's a lot of music in here." And I don't, I don't know how they uh, did it. <laughs> we have, I have this brilliant young kid who's like uh, 26 years old. His name is Adam Reich. And he's from Brooklyn, New York. And Adam knows like every song I've recorded, plays every instrument there is. And he sits down, he works out these arrangements with me, and he's just, he's wonderful. 
and that's how we do these things. I mean, it's it's Adam, it's the band. Uh, we get horn guys to come in, so it really it runs great. Well, I had like a thousand questions, so I'm <laughs> just kidding. Now I, I'm looking at East 187th Street in Belmont Avenue. Yeah, so that's got to be where you guys are yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there on uh, July 17th. We go back. Uh, we go back a few times a year, and we do like the feasts on the avenue, and. Uh, so we'll and the studio welcomes Joanne, who made it all possible. So welcome. Yes, Have a seat. There you go. There you go. See, this is the great thing about radio. So there we go. Have a seat. So here we go. So it's like we're live on the air, so here you go. Just have a seat, and it's cool. Um, we're very informal here, you know. And by the way, security, how did you let this happen? <laughs> security. <laughs> There you go. You know, there, there. So, so we're talking about all the great music. Now, one of the, I don't know about, you know, song parodies, but yeah. one, my, one of the, you know, I know you have the song, I'm a Believer. Yes. Now, the real words, I don't know if you know, I know that Neil Diamond wrote it, but the yes. real words were, I saw my grades and now I'm in Cleveland, and they changed it. Because <laughs> somebody said in the, in the studio, that, that's not going to work. <laughs> So, okay, so tell me about the Bronx, because I, I happen to go to the Bronx a lot for traffic violations bureau cases, yeah. and, and uh, the, the, there's one, there's uh, traffic violations bureaus on East Fordham Road, and which is right, and then what I do is after I do a, tra a traffic violations bureau hearing on behalf of a client, I make the little right turn, go past the Rose Hill campus, make the left to Arthur Avenue. Right. There's a great luncheonette there, yeah. and they have like the best eggs and coffee there, so I actually don't mind going to the Bronx for cases. No, it's, uh, food is great. I mean, it, it's just if you're going to be on a diet, it's definitely you don't want to go there to Arthur Avenue. Well, I, mean, well, I was at you know, where I was last night. I was at Patsy's Pizza in the city last night. Oh, ah, that's great. Ah, that's just great. a little plug for them. They don't know oh, I'm doing this, but yeah, great. it was great. Great pizza. All right, so back to the music. So you go to the Bronx every once in a while to yeah. We always go back home. I mean, my parents still live in Throgs Neck, and it's one of those. Uh, I'm on the other side of the bridge. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So we always we always go back to Arthur Avenue a couple of times a year. We'll be there July seventeenth. Uh, well, that's 2011 because this is going to be repeated year after year yeah, for sure. Yeah, and okay. we just we always celebrate the neighborhood and you, you don't forget your roots. And it's one of those really cool things where Chaz Palminteri comes down. He's from that neighborhood. Danny Aiello comes down. He's from that neighborhood. Joe Pesci started as a waiter in, in Amici's, which is where Martin Scorsese saw him. He comes down. Dominic Cianese. And it just is this whole, everybody always comes back and I, celebrates this is where they're from. I don't know. My parents are from the Bronx, and they're not famous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, did, they, did they miss out on something? <laughs> because, you know, oh, well, I, I, know it, I know the remedy. Yes. You need a live remote, so when you do there, so we'll do a live remote radio show. So there you go. We'll call it Celebrating the Bronx. That would be great. All right. So... So how did you guys become the Bronx Wanderers? So Chaz calls me up and he says to me, I really think what you need to do is get get the two kids and start a band and call and call it the Wanderers. And I said to him, Chaz, you don't want to do that. I'm telling you, we're going to get sued the next day. There's going to be a hundred bands there. And this no, is before no, you knew no. Rich Solomon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to help you. <laughs> he goes, just do it. Do what I'm telling you. So we go out on our first job. As the Wanderers, I got letters the next day from the movie company, from about 40 people that are suing me the next day. So I called them up. I said, I told you this was going to happen. So I said, look, you know, I, we're all from the Bronx. I'm going to call us the Bronx Wanderers, which really scared the heck out of me because I thought now it sounds too much like a motorcycle gang. 
So we, we called it the Bronx Wanders. It's probably the greatest thing I ever did because no matter where we go in the country, people line up afterwards. Not to tell me we were good or they enjoyed the, the show. From the they want to know where you were from. <laughs> well, because I grew up and my cousin's from the Bronx. I went to a Yankee game in there and it just, it works. And it's great. Like, you have like those shirts that say, you know, <laughs> I'm from the Bronx where only the tough survive. <laughs> You know, right. my my parents grew up in the Grand Concourse area. Yeah, sure. You know, so uh, so yeah, so yeah. shadow of the stadium. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then, of course, uh, I know this is off music topic, but on East 161st Street is the, the Bronx Court Supreme House. Court. That's the court. And uh, you know, that's, there's plenty of times yeah. we have to go there. Oh, it's great. So we have a couple minutes before we hit there. First, hard break. But who did you love growing up listening to? Oh, Dion, without a doubt, Dion's my guy. I mean, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be a musician. Wow, that he was my guy. I mean, and he was one of those guys where I remember reading an interview that he did saying that you know Elvis's biggest problem was he should have reached out and touched the people where he just stayed behind the gates of Graceland and he was just too big. Whereas Dion is the type of guy that he'll still walk through the neighborhood and he'll stop and talk to you and he's just he's a real guy. So as a kid growing up, you know, talking to him and being able to go, hey, I'm in a band. What do you think? And and he was just. Always inspirational and just a really great guy. Did Dion write a book? Yeah, he's had a new book out now. Okay, because I think I saw him personally deliver a talk at like a Borders or a yeah, Barnes & Noble or yeah. something not that long ago. Yeah, he's got a book yeah. out called The Wanderer Talks Truth. And it's just kind of setting the record straight on uh, – like what actually, ha you know, one of the things that amazes me is that whole day, the, the day the music died, is they never really talk about the fact that he was there and he didn't get on the plane. Oh, we got to talk about that. Wait, wait, whoa. Yeah, okay, wait. That's cool. <laughs> this is a news flash. Okay, so wait. We have like a minute, but start this up. So he was supposed to be on the plane with he Buddy was, Holly? Yeah, he he basically, the tour was Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, Richie Valens, and Dion and the Belmonts. So uh, when they, they all went backstage and they flipped the coin, which is like a classic thing, Dion won, and he's got the seat. Richie Valens did not win the coin cost. Dion did. And when they told him that the, uh, the plane ride was going to cost $36, it kind of stuck with him that that was a month's rent for his parents in the Bronx. And he said, you know what, just to, to jump a little plane for 30, 40 minutes, I really don't want to spend the $36. He said to Richie, you go. And Richie Valens wound up taking his place, and, you know, the rest is kind of history. Wow, so it shows that economics can be <laughs> determinative. <laughs> All right, we will be back in a moment, but this is Richard Solomon. We're going to play a little music uh, to fade out. Let's see, here we go. And uh, there we go. You are listening to WCWP 88.1 FM. We'll be right back. Do not move that dial. There's too much cool rock and roll uh, ahead of us. We'll see you in a, back in a minute. Oh, I love rock and roll. Wiggles, Jessica Tech. I love rock and roll. 
Oh, wow, that's Wolfman Jack. I haven't heard Wolfman <laughs> Jack in a long time. You're rocking a rich Solomon. Good morning, everybody. This is... This is why I do radio. This is why I do radio. You want to know why I do radio? Because I get to meet people like Vinny, through people like Joanne, and I get to have the best time hanging out and talking about some of the coolest fun stuff. I know we cover all kinds of topics in the show, but no topic is much more cooler to me oh, than so rock and roll. It's so fun. I mean, the stories are great. I mean, that, that, that's a really... Clay Cole is in that piece. Now, if you're a New York kid uh, you know, from the 60s, you know Clay Cole and all those great, great shows that he had. And uh, Clay Cole was the guy that brought the Rolling Stones their first American television debut. And he brought them here. And, and he had on one show, he had the Beatles and the Stones. And due to budget cuts that they always watched the tape, they only had so many tapes at PIX, they erased over it. And so there's no copy of that anywhere that they were both on the show. And he got behind this in the beginning. And the sad thing is he just passed away. And uh, he was just such a wonderful guy. And he said, if there's any way I could help you, let me help you. He mentions us in his book. And uh, and he just, he really kind of thought that everybody in the music business forgot him. And he wrote a book called Shaboom, The Explosion of Rock and Roll. Comes out with the book and he just started to get on every show. And he realized that everybody remembered who he was and, and what a contribution he made to rock and roll. And he just he had a heart attack and passed away. Uh, when you were listening to radio, when you were growing up, yeah. what radio stations were you listening oh, to? WABC, MC, you know, the good guys, MCA, and, and you know, and then it you switched over to FM. But you know, I was a product of AM radio. I mean, I love hit radio. I remember like listening to like Ron Lundy. Oh, <laughs> the best, Harry yeah. Harris, Harry Harris, all those guys. Yeah, I mean, their voices were just so distinct, and it's. it's I love that. You know, um, when I was a kid, I would uh, I had a little AM radio, yeah. and my parents would be like, "All right, you gotta go to bed now," and I'd be like, "No, no, no," you know. <laughs> so, sheets. so, so what I did was I had this tiny little transistor. And again, this is all before digital. I had a <laughs> tiny transistor radio, and what I did is I put it under my pillow, yeah, <laughs> and I'd like listen to it and pretend to sleep, or whatever. And yeah. then eventually, I'd fall asleep, and I wake up and like I, you know, the radio still be on under right. the pillow. I but, always did that. But there was, yeah, there was uh, Ron Lundy, Harry Harrison. I remember uh, listening to like Allison Steele and, yeah. and uh, Scott Muni and Dennis Elsus and all those guys. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really see in those days the the DJ personality meant something to radio. Right. I don't know if that's still really true today anymore. I think a lot of it's sort of. Uh, not here at WCBP, but uh, there's a lot of corporate programming. Everything's right. formulaic and right. things like that. I would never be able to have a show like this on traditional radio where I'm just blabbing for an hour, <laughs> telling jokes and hanging out. It's like, no, 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 corporate. Corporate wants this. Corporate wants that. Right. Run, you know, as many commercials as you can, things like that. But And there's, and there's a time and place, but I kind of I, – I sort of have a lot of nostalgia for certain things of the past that are gone. Like, I love driving movies. Yeah. And I go to driveamovie.com, and I'm going to go uh, this weekend, which will be, um, that we're, right now we're recording it before it actually is airing. But this is, in all honesty, the week before Memorial Day, even though you're going to be hearing this afterwards. I'll, I'll be long gone. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm going to go up to Hyde Park, and I'm going to go to one of the two driving movies up there, which is either the Hyde Park drive-in or the Overlook drive-in. Right. And I, I love... To do that, and I, I, my wife is a big fan of fifties music, so we're going to play this CD, of oh, course. That's great. And then I, we have the Time Life fifties collection, right? Because they really don't play on at least the local radio 
oldies like WCBS 101 did right. before they became Jack FM. Then they, then right. when they came out of Jack <laughs> FM and they became sort of something else. Yes. You know, the, the, the dial has really changed a lot. Yeah. I, I remember when there was like WAPP and they had the commercial free summer like way right. back when and all this other stuff. But so when you were younger, like who were you, do you remember like your first concerts who you went to? Oh, God, yeah. I, well, you know, again, I was just one of those, I think I was about 10 years old and, and Dion invited me to a show, so I went out to see that. And then I just got into the whole concert going thing. And I was just lucky enough that, I mean, one that I vividly remember coming out here in Long Island, it was like 1974, I think I was like 15 years old, and they had uh, this giant concert with the Beach Boys, and Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young, and Jesse Collin Young, and it was like, it was almost like a Woodstock at Roosevelt. <laughs> and it was the, and I was terrified, because here we were, like 80,000 people on this field, and somehow I managed to get near the front, which you think is a really cool thing until you realize you can't leave. And you're in. This, and, they were dropping and, and, and water. Not, and don't start drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> People were getting up around me just, you know, going like taking it out and going. And I'm like, hey, what's the? And I was just panicked out. But nobody could leave. And everybody's like, hey, kid, get used to it. This is, you know. Festival. This is festival scenic. Like. <laughs> I, I remember. Yeah. I think the first real concert that I saw uh, was at the Nassau Coliseum. I was in high school, and I saw the Jefferson Starship oh, opened with opened by the Bob Weir Band, and I was like, "Wow!" You know, and I think about that today. And I'm like, it was all because like uh, some kid in school is like, hey, you want to go see the Starship? I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I had no idea I was going to see like the Bob Weir Band and many years later became a big fan of the Grateful Dead, obviously, right. and all this other stuff. But yeah. So who who influences you on all this great music? And, and, and talk about sort of the music, the arrangement, the harmonies, because yeah. there's such a rich texture in this music, the harmonies are just vibrant and alive. Right. The, uh, so I wind up, uh, it's 1978, and I, I, uh, I wound up getting a job at Life Song Records. And Life Song Records is owned by Cashman and West, Terry Cashman and Tommy West. And those are the guys that did all Jim Croce's music, all the Partridge family. I love and the Partridge family. These my wife, guys yeah. are so harmony-driven that it was a front row seat and I probably learned more from them than from anybody on watching how to build a song where the first chord, you know, first verse is nothing, second one you build a little more, more harmonies, and then by the end it's like this big screaming thing. Ron Dante was, was somebody that was always hanging around the office who went on, of course, to become Archie with the Archies and then uh, he became Barry Manilow's producer where, uh, he just everything that Barry did, Ron was a producer. And I just got to hang around these guys every day and just you learn. I mean you watch and you see how it's really done and you go, I wanna do that. And now that I that I'm that I'm older, it's like I realize they taught me everything. Well what's cool about what when you listen to the C D, you really see craftsmanship in the music. It's not just Okay, we're we're covering this particular song. Right. There's actually real enriched craftsmanship. Yeah. It's not just like me and my brother just picking up a bunch of <laughs> things and going, "Oh, let's see how much we can replicate a sound." There's actually it's got to be better. I mean, I mean, I've got I, I brought. Uh, we're working on a new CD now, and I really am. Oh, shameless plug time! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to play it. I'm not no, no, no. You should. This is Rick Frischman would be mad at me if you right. didn't. <laughs> I but, come. I come from people who know this radio show yeah. is based upon publicity. <laughs> but, but it's just. A, it's all about if it's not good, I don't like it. We recorded twenty things for the new CD, 
And I'm still one of those guys, unless I get goosebumps and hear it, if I don't hear it, you know, we're not going to do it. And the letters that I'm getting, how come there's no new CD? And it's just, I hate everything. I, I really never really go, wow, that was really good, or I want to do that. And, and it's all as a result of that, if it can't be better than the original, if we're just going to go in and make a cover copy of somebody's record, what's the point? Uh, you know, it's got to be better. It's got to be, you know, Frankie didn't have that technology back then to, you know, to put 40 voices on and to do strings and, and just really like build it in such a way that it's grotesque where it's 50 people doing a five-man song. But, but like, like, don't even notice, like, when you sing the song, when you do like Sherry Baby, it's right. like Sherry. Like you really put the enunciation into right. it and you really pitch it out. I mean, it's really. Only because I can't hit those notes. No, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. All right. Since you're all called the Bronx Wanderers, and, and this is Rich Solomon, 88.1 <laughs> FM, WCWP, from my favorite studio, Studio 2. And of course, talking about my favorite topic, rock and roll. Let me tell you something. They say that rock is dead. I'm telling you, rock and roll is still alive. Yeah. It's just not played as much in the right places. So <laughs> we got to play this song. So this this is The Wanderer. For a lot of reasons, we have to play this. They don't even know my name, they call me the Wanderer. 
Wow, that, that was cold WCWP. Wow. That, 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 that's a great sound. I mean, it's just a great sound. And, and again, I hear a lot more than just a couple of guys just, you know, hacking it out in there. Yeah. So, so obviously you love that song. I, that was, I mean, it's, that's like the theme song of the neighborhood. The whole attitude thing, walking down the street where you're jacking on, trying to impress the girls. Yeah, I'm in a band. I mean, that was it. <laughs> you know, but, that was it. But the secret is it works. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, it's like, you know, the guys in the military uniforms and, uh, people in bands it works oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> and the reason why they do it it works <laughs> no my wife is definitely out of my league how i got there i'm like, i don't know i must have been a musician. good looks and charm Whatever come on good looks and charm and talent <laughs> so wait because because rick Fishman would be would be yelling at me if i didn't actually talk a little bit about the new record it's so coming let's, let's hear let's hear a little bit about it where would people first find out about it uh, it should be i'm hoping july 1st uh, i mean not, not to bring the whole show totally down but we had this whole thing laid out where we were touring january through uh april the first week of april and we got back the first week of april we had a, a month slated out to just finish it get it together and get it out my dad had a stroke everything just went on hold and it became the whole family thing but uh we're going to call the album but not afraid to dream which was a song that was written by uh, a life song guy that i used to work with called ray derouge and ray was just one of those guys that wrote for engelbert humperdinck he wrote for jeffrey osborne he, he did the whole gamut and he, he wrote for ozzy osborne <laughs> <laughs> everyone and he was just such a good guy he's like I got, I got the perfect song for you that basically says you know you're not a has-been, but you never was, too. So this is like the, for those guys right in the middle. And, I, and we wound up, we did that. And, and I'm starting to stretch the kids more because I'm old. I want to retire. So, so, so I'm featuring the kids a lot more. I'm really showcasing them a lot more. And, and it's just, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, let me, I got to play this particular song only because um, it's, it's a great song. I mean, it was covered by, it was, covered, it was in Shrek, of all yeah. things. Although yeah. I know that Neil Diamond wrote it. Yeah. And the monkeys kind of made it more... Yeah. Famous, and then I uh, guess what was it? Smash Mouth, right? Yeah, <laughs> kind of put it together. This so, is this is little Vinny, uh, is my son, and uh, we we needed something for him to do. So so he says, you know, I wanted to do this song, and and he does about four or five things on the new one, but on this one, uh, this is his tune. All right, so here we go. For someone else, but not for me. Love was out to get me. That's the way it seemed. A disappointment haunted all my dreams. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. I'm not a trace. The more I gave, the less I got What's the use of trying? All you get is pain When I needed such a 
All my grades, and now I'm in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> the original—that's that's right, folks. You heard it here first. I saw my grades, and now I'm in Cleveland. That—that that was a little known thing. Neil Diamond told me that one night was just in a bar, just me and him. <laughs> in Cleveland? In, no, no, no. We were in Hoboken. <laughs> you know. So then I. So he told me that the the, the people at the record company, the the Brill Building, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Said now you got to change it up. Yes. <laughs> Now, the thing is, the people out there who may be listening, for those who are just a little younger than maybe us, um, that didn't happen. <laughs> now, the only thing I know about diamonds is that, you know, they used to be on the turntable. <laughs> yes, yeah. And uh, it's much, much different means of delivering music than uh, iPods and things like that. Although I was a very big fan of The Simpsons, still am. Uh-huh. And I love when Lisa Simpson wanted a MyPod because they uh-huh. couldn't say iPod. And she was obsessed with it. <laughs> So we were on the Simpsons, not the Bronx Wanderers, but the uh, Terry Cashman thing. We did a song in 1981 called "Talking Baseball," Willie uh-huh. Mickey and the Duke, and that is being. I know that song. That is the. I'm one of the background singers on that. That's, that's a great that, song. That's being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, Cooperstown, New York. Cooperstown, July 24th, and the Simpsons did a whole episode with Homer singing "Talking Baseball," and it was great. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> So what other little great tidbits of music and music history and Hall of Fame stuff have you been holding back on me? I, not too much. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, but but it's, you know, just the whole experience of meeting everybody, being around everybody. It's just, it's, you know, it's one of those things where people say, you know, you're very lucky that you get to work doing something you love. And I am. I mean, it's it just this, my whole life has been, I mean, it could really end tomorrow. And I had a great, great life. Well, don't, well, God forbid. No, God forbid. <laughs> so tell, you have a DVD, right? We have a DVD out, and the, we have a DVD out uh, with Danny Aiello, which he was just one of those guys that he came. I mean, there is no sweeter individual than Danny Aiello. You know, with a star of his magnitude, ninety movies. He called me. He up made ninety movies. Ninety movies, and he wow. said, and I said to him at one point, "That's a lot." <laughs> I mean, and you just think about it, that he just, every time you turn around, he's, he's let these little pop-up roles in movies, and I go, yeah, 90 movies. I, I had called him up. I called up. I was in a movie called The Dukes with Chaz Palminteri, uh, Robert Davi, Peter Bogdanovich. It came out on a Friday. It went to video on Saturday, and it was out of print on Sunday. It was one of those movies. It was a rock and roll heist movie from a few years ago. And the distributor of that movie was very close to Danny Aiello. And I said, you know, I'm doing this thing, 
and uh, I would love to get Danny Aiello to do like a voiceover. You know, can you get me in touch with him? Because I know you have his number. Just tell him it was the kid from Hoboken and the kid from the neighborhood. So he called him up. He calls me back and he said, you know, you know, what are you talking about? Call me. This is my number. And I'm going, Mr. Aiello. He's like, ah, Danny. So he winds up. He goes, what do you need? I go, can you just read like a couple of lines and talk about the Bronx? And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, and maybe like the last line would be, you know, go see the Bronx Wanderers. He said, what are you doing? I said, we're doing a video. And he goes, who's paying for this video? Is there some company paying for it or you're paying for it? I go, we're paying for it. He goes, all right, I tell you what. He goes, I'm going to do this for nothing. And I go, wow, that's great. He goes, but I, can I make a suggestion? I go, you know what said? He goes, why don't you put me in the video? That would probably be better for you. I go, what? I said, we could never. If we, he goes, no, no, no money. He goes, I want to do this for you, whatever it is. And we met him in Hoboken, spent the day with him, and he shot the video with us. And I mean, he just... Everywhere he goes, that, that, that he just goes out to get us work. We're working with him uh, in, in New York at a place called the Iridium, where we do a bunch of dates with him. That's the uh, Les Paul place. And he's just the sweetest guy. And we're talking about going on tour with him, and we're hoping we could work that out. We're going to do some dates with him in uh, 2012 in Florida in January. Wow. But what a guy. I mean, he's just the nicest guy on the planet. He really is just anything I could do to help you. He really is all about that. So that's 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 the side of Hollywood and, and movies that you never see. No. You never see that. It's never talked about. No. But there's a lot of people out there who are silent yeah. heroes. Yeah, he is. And they deserve a tribute. There was, the distributor said to me, let me explain something to you about the business. He goes, you're never going to get a big star that wants to reach down and pull you up. He goes, you'll get, if you're on their level, they're your best friends. He goes, so you're going to have to go out and do it on your own. And hopefully when you're on their level, they'll help you out. But Danny is one of those guys that really reached down and said, come on, I'm taking you with me. How come you're not playing Atlantic City? I said, I don't know. He goes, and right there on the spot, he'll call his agent and go, get my kids in there right now. Or else <laughs> and he, he does that. He's just great. Wow. So where do you like playing? And for what kinds of audiences? Do you like the small places? Do you like the big oh, the bigger, the, the only reason why I love the, big, the bigger jobs is because the bigger jobs, there's usually so many lights in your face. You can't see anything. <laughs> whereas, is that why Southside trying to wear sunglasses? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas those intimate jobs where you're like right on the table like the Copa and you're watching people pick their nose and put their <laughs> finger in the area. It's like, wow, this is pretty scary. So uh, so big is good. What, what did you love most about the music of this era? Was it the, the lyrics? Was it the sound? Was it just it's, it was new? The harmonies. It just, I mean, I, lo I love the vocal thing and getting to do the vocal thing is just great. And... and this thing started, you know, when we go back to the beginning of our conversation, as an accident where we were playing one night early on, and some older guy came up to me. I want to say he was in his 70s, and, and he was shaking. And he comes over, and he grabs my arm, and he says, you know what? He goes, I just want you to know. And he like went through about 10 ailments that he has, that what's wrong with him. He said, but for two hours tonight, I forgot all about that, and I thought I was back at my high school dance. And I just kind of thought, well, that, that's like a real fluke. And that, wow, that was really neat. Thank you so much. And the next thing you know, it happens all the time. And it became this whole thing where I tell the kids, you know, why compete on 
you know, the pop level with millions of bands. We go out, do our own thing across the country, and there's that whole niche audience of people from 60 to 80 or 50 to, to 80, 85 that they have nowhere to go. There's a million clubs for young people to go to, but older people don't have that. So we go out, do these things, play retirement communities. We're doing performing arts centers and casinos pretty much across the country. And and the people we meet is is like, it's therapeutic. Like, I just goosebumps. You know, I can't tell you how great you know, what you made me feel like tonight. I was 17 again. We, we finished last night. The show ended. Uh, it was a 90-minute show. We played from 8 to 9.30. We were an hour from home. It was 10.30. I got home about 2 o'clock. And that's just standing in the lobby talking to hundreds of people on, on what last night meant to them. And that you really walk away going, wow, you know, we're doing something that's really special. See, that's the intangible reward. Yeah. For, yeah. No one comes to WCWP and goes, wow, you changed my <laughs> life. So, <right>? Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, although I'll have to see what I can do to get some groupies going. <laughs> you know, never get my mother and father to listen. <laughs> All right, you are listening to Richard Solomon. We're almost over a one-hour show of tremendous music memories and the like. We'll be right back. We have to take a mandatory hard break. This is WCWP 88.1 FM, the Abrams Communication Center. Rocking from Studio 2. We'll be right back. Sue. There's a song for you. All right, we're back from that break. Uh, Richard Solomon, WCWP 88.1 FM. The show is taking care of business. I'll run that in the background. So, so did you just fall off the turnip? Yeah. Did you just fall off what the turnip watch? truck and just start doing this? <laughs> <laughs> just did you parachute out of the sky and become like a rock dude? By the way, oh. I gave you, gave you a little rock and roll. I love star that. Thing. There you go. I love so that. that. That, that, by the way, was uh, a little gift from me. That uh, is so cool. C- C- Casey wasn't sure it says rock star. I fall it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go home with that. You I say, look, I've, I've been acknowledged. Yeah. <laughs> and then my wife said, hey, rock star, put the garbage out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we, and I was like, hey, I just won that great appeal. I know, but we need milk. <laughs> and bread and eggs. <laughs> well, well, we're that's at that, right. right? Right? You know, I'm sure. 
I'm sure, you know, even the mayor of New York is like, hey, hey, uh, the garbage needs to yes, be cleaned. that's <laughs> right. The reality <laughs> check. So, so we only have a minute left or, or two. Well, I so, just want to thank you so much for, you know, having me on it. And this, and Joanne, who, who made this all possible. I mean, it's, it's just such a great thing. Oh, yeah. So wait. So in the minute, so you didn't fall off the turnip truck. No, I mean, well, basically, I mean, I started with Life Song Records in 1978, and my plan was I was going to make it from the inside out, and all my bosses loved me. And they said to me, why do you want to become a star? That is the worst thing in the world. You'll get a divorce. You'll wind up on drugs. Be an executive. And I fought my whole existence there for them to look at me as an artist and they never did and the next thing you know i became the general manager of the label 25 years went by 30 years go by i'm on 100 records singing backup but it's just it was never about me and 10 years ago when they decided to retire it's like now what this this accident happened and i'm finally doing what i always wanted to do i think that's us so the moral of the story is jim morrison you should have been an executive <laughs> <laughs> You'd be here today complaining. That's right. That's right. You know. <laughs> so you know. So hey. So anyway, a million thanks for being here. Thank you for I, having I, me. I, I got to play a little music on the way out here. So let's see whatever. This is track. Oh, this is thirteen. This is America. This is cool. All right. So we're gonna play this out as our lead out music. So thank you so much. You got to catch thanks the Bronx Wanderers. You got to catch them. TheBronxWanderers.com. There you go. Uh, the CD is The Bronx Wanderers Family Affair. They look very buff and very tough. <laughs> and yes, they're from Hoboken. Ooh, I'm dying. I'm dying. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, they have a DVD out. They, have a, 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 they are going to have a new CD coming yeah. out. And catch them on tours. Does your... Does your um, website have the tour information yeah, we'll be we'll be everywhere this summer all right that's great this is 2011 but in years to come and things like that there'll be a uh, great we're going song. to cleveland in two weeks that's right so, so what you have to do is you have to sing the song sing it bring it back i saw my grades and now i'm in cleveland <laughs> no that, that's what they tell you at the bar exam <laughs> all right we gotta go i'll tell you it's just it's just it, it it's so much fun it should be illegal richard solomon thanks for listening catch you next week Love to hear from you. By the way, I never said this. If you need to send us an email, tcbradio, wcwp, at yahoo.com. Otherwise, see you in 30 days. In seven days. <laughs> <laughs>